It's the Capo Caco Show. Is he really on the trade block? And would the Rangers really trade him for a rental? You're locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 995 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. So I want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. If your best bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started and we are of course part of the locked on podcast network your team every day so as i mentioned just a second ago basically going to be the capo caco show there are rumors that the rangers not necessarily openly shopping capo caco and like doing everything in their power to move him but uh reports seem to be that they will certainly listen uh if calls are made to them about the possibility of perhaps moving on from capo caco in the middle of his uh fifth season in the nhl and there's a lot of different ways we can look at this. I figured the best way we can cover this is to take a look at the case against trading Capo Caco. We'll take a look at the case for trading Capo Caco. And then ultimately, I'm going to give a verdict, give my final thoughts on everything, and just kind of wonder, you know, would they actually do it? You know, is this something that for one reason or another, they've kind of just floated into the air? Maybe they just want to put out some feelers. If they're blown away by an offer, then maybe they'll have something to think about. Uh, we'll see, you know, and I'm going to discuss all that in just a second. But first, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the case against trading Capo Caco. And the first thing that kind of popped into my mind here as I'm making these bullet points and putting this episode together is you don't want a situation where you give up on this guy, you know, one season too early, or in this case, really half a season too early. There are some pretty amazing players in the NHL right now and uh, guys that, you know, maybe their playing days are done, but there are people that are, you know, somewhat late bloomers. There's guys that don't really figure it out, don't really get it going until they're in their mid-20s. Now, it is worth pointing out that Capo Caco is very soon, I think within a couple of weeks here, going to turn 23. So you'd like to see him be a little bit further along, especially when you consider the draft pedigree, the fact that he was the number two overall pick, the fact that obviously there were very high hopes. And I mean, he was basically labeled not like a generational talent or anything like that, but you know, him and Hughes were kind of one and one A going to the draft that year. Basically can't miss prospects. And so far, you know, Kako has been underwhelming. Flashes of strong play here and there. But for the most part, four and a half years into his career, I think most of us probably thought that he'd be a little bit further along. Uh, with all that said, you look at, you know, some examples around the league right now. Mika Zibanejad is a great example of this. Uh, somebody that took him a little while to figure it out, took him a little while to get going. And a perfect example of a case where the team that he was on, that being the Ottawa Senators, basically gave up on him one year too early. They traded him to the Rangers along with a second-round draft pick, mind you, in exchange for Derek Broussard and a seventh-round draft pick. And the Rangers have obviously reaped the benefits of that trade. I know some people have gotten on Mika Zibanejad recently, and not all of it is unwarranted. But for the most part, this guy's been a heck of a player for the Rangers. I you know, he's up there as far as, uh, you know, goals, assists, points, the whole nine yards, good defensive center, kills penalties, uh, has that booming one-timer, 
on the power play, just a, a very important player to the Rangers overall, and somebody that, once again, his former team gave up on him basically a year too soon. And, and you know, talking to the Lockdown Senators guys, they, believe me, they still lament that trade, and um, it, it's easy to see why. Uh, another example, you know, Nathan McKinnon, his first four years in the league, you know, he, he was all right, but certainly nowhere close to the player that he is right now. And then he eventually figured it out, got it going. And at this point, I mean, basically could be the best player in the league. I mean, you always think Connor McDavid, but I think, I haven't checked this recently. I think McKinnon's ahead of him still as far as points this season. Bottom line, absolute worst, Nathan McKinnon is a top five player in this league. Uh, whether we like it or not, I think you could say the same thing for Jack Hughes to an extent. Now, Hughes, of course, debuted very young. He was 18, and by the time he was 20, you know, he was getting it going and figuring it out. But it wasn't until just last year that he really kind of joined that elite level of players in the NHL. Uh, somebody else that I think really stands out is uh, William Nylander. He didn't really get it going until he was about 23 years old. And Kako, like I said, he's about to turn 23. Tage Thompson, perfect example of this. He was 24 when he finally had a good season after four, you know, pretty lackluster seasons, his first four years in the league. And, you know, look at what he's doing now. He's become a heck of a player. So now uh, the other thing I should point out here, I don't watch every single one of these players on a nightly basis. I wasn't watching the Senators when Mika Zibanejad was there. I mean, a team like the Avalanche, they're on too late for me to stay up and watch them anyway. Um, I don't watch every single one of these players night in and night out. So with these players, everybody I just mentioned, were there, were they showing more signs of greatness, more signs of brilliance? than Capo Caco currently is. I can't really say that for sure, um, but it is still food for thought that all these players that you know were high draft picks and high expectations didn't really get off to the best start and have all figured it out and put it together and become very, very uh, good players in this league and all-star caliber players in a lot of cases uh, in this league. Um, even Lafreniere, you know, you could throw him in there too. And I realize you look at his numbers, 29 points in 49 games this year. It's not a spectacular amount, but it is the best season of his career. And really, He's one of the reindeer forwards that I worry about probably less than just about anybody because it seems like, again, he's somebody that brings it every night. And obviously that line, Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere, that's really carried the Rangers. So, um, yeah, you know, again, just a couple of different examples of guys who weren't great when they first got in the league but have significantly picked it up ever since then. I think another uh, big reason why you don't want to trade Capo Caco, and this is something that we've talked about uh, quite often on Locked on Rangers, but it's a very simple fact. The Rangers are already pretty thin dare I say, pretty weak at right wing. Coming into the season, there were basically question marks up and down the depth chart at right wing. You had Lafreniere moving to right wing. We didn't know how that was going to go for sure. And obviously that's turned out quite well for the Rangers. He's clearly their best right winger. And that's not setting a very high bar compared to some of the other guys. But still, uh, that is the case. Uh, you bring in 37-year-old Blake Wheeler. You know, does he still have it? He chips in now and then, but clearly not the player that he used to be. Um, and then you've got guys, I mean, Jimmy Vesey can play the right wing, Tyler Pitlick, Barclay Goodrow, but obviously there's no great options as far as, uh, you know, the top six is concerned. So if you trade Capo Caco, you're taking a position where you are already thin and making yourself even thinner. Now it's of course possible that in the trade of Capo Caco, they could bring back a right winger to replace him. That's maybe an upgrade. Uh, that's certainly possible, but then you look at the future, you know, if that player's on an expiring contract, then you're going to have a situation where, you know, this season ends and that player might be on his way in free agency and he's gone. And so too is Capo Caco. Now, what do you do at right wing? You know, you can call up Brian Offman. He's primarily a left winger. You could put him there. That could work. I mean, does Will Cooley at some point switch sides? You know, there, there's options, but nothing that really stands out as like a great option uh, if you were to do that. If you were to trade Capo Caco for a right winger and then the right winger leaves in free agency after the season anyway, then you're taking a very thin position making yourself even thinner. 
Uh, this one's pretty self-explanatory, but I think another reason why you wouldn't want to trade Capo Caco right now, it's a classic buy low situation. And that's generally, or, or sell low rather, a sell low situation. Buy low you do want to do, sell low you do not want to do. But, you know, it, it's just generally not a good way to go to trade somebody when their value is basically at their lowest point. You know, a couple of years ago, obviously there were those rumors that the Rangers were looking to trade for Jack Eichel. And part of the reason, not, not the full reason, but I think part of the reason why it never really gained any steam, it never really felt like it was all that close to happening, is because the Rangers were hesitant to include Capo Caco in the deal. Now, I'm not so sure if the Rangers had included Caco, would the Sabres have like pulled the trigger and said, yes, okay, here, take Jack Eichel, he's all yours. Uh, I don't know for sure if that would have happened or not, but think about it. Are you going to go from a couple of years ago being completely unwilling to include include Capo Caco in a deal for Jack Eichel and now trade him for like a rental? Like you want to trade him for like Adam Henrique or Sean Monahan or one of these other guys on the, on the trade block. I mean, that just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I know that Caco's value has probably decreased since then because he is in year five now and has shown some improvement. You know, last year was his best year, but it still has not become the player that I think a lot of us wanted to be. And for the record, I'm not doing revisionist history. I wasn't really feeling the Jack Eichel trade in general either. I uh, just felt that between his high salary cap hit, the injury history, and uh, I think fair to say a questionable attitude at times, I just wasn't really feeling uh, the Jack Eichel move. But if you're the Rangers, to go from you know potentially balking at including Kako in an Eichel trade and now just like giving Kako away for a rental, I don't know that you want to do that just a couple of years later. You know that's not a good look. I, I suppose you got to do what you got to do, but um, yeah, that that'd be a pretty wild, um, pretty wild scenario where you go from not being willing to include him in an Eichel package to now being able to trade him for just some guy that you're going to have, you know, for for half a season here. So, and the other thing I want to mention here too, as far as reasons not to trade Kako, um, there are other assets that you should be able to trade and land a decent player. I mean, you know, you could trade draft picks. We just had Vince Mercogliano on the show in our last episode. And thank you again to Vince for uh, joining the podcast here. But one of the things that he mentioned, and I thought it was a great point is that jury tends to like to trade draft picks rather than uh, A, his own prospects, and B, guys on the current roster. Now, he's traded guys off of the current roster, but they're players that were largely being phased out and didn't really have a big role. Uh, I'm talking about in-season trades right now. You know, off-season, you got to do what you got to do with, as far as, you know, wheeling and dealing and, and making all these moves. I know people just love to to think about the Pavel Buchnevich trade that he made in the off-season. But as far as in-season, I mean, which players is, is jury traded away? He's traded away Simi Blay, Ryan Reeves, Vitaly Kravtsov, uh, Julian Gauthier. These are not players that were like lighting the world on fire for the Rangers. And they're not players that had, you know, necessarily big roles for the Rangers. And after trading all those guys, I don't think they've really regretted any of those moves. Uh, Kako would be different because Kako is obviously still young, former number two overall pick, still has some upside, still has some potential. So instead of trading Kako, you know, trade a draft pick, trade like a, not one of your top prospects, but a mid-level guy, and um, just go from there. I know Kako might be the bigger trade chip, but you should be able to improve your team. You're trading a couple of draft picks if you have to, or trading some of those mid-level prospects, not necessarily, you know, the top guys like Perot or uh, or Offman. So that's the case against trading Kako. In just a second, we're going to turn the tables, look at the other side of this coin here and talk about the case for trading Kako. And then, like I said, I'm going to have some final thoughts at the end of the episode, kind of come up with a verdict and um, lay out my conditions for if a Capo Caco trade were to materialize, what it has to entail, and uh, what the Rangers should be getting in return. So we're going to do all that fun stuff in just a second here. First, though, we definitely want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you 
by our good friends at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, we're going to go ahead and keep everything rolling here for the everydayers. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning into the Locked On New York Ranger podcast. Uh, definitely stick around. we got one more episode this week. We're going to be taking a look at some more, unless some crazy news breaks, we're going to be taking a look at some more uh, New York Ranger trade targets. Obviously, Elias Lindholm is no longer going to be on that list. I'll have some thoughts about uh, his trade and the fact that it seems to set up something of a seller's market, which is something that I predicted a few episodes ago. It just feels like there aren't quite as many you know, big fish in the pond this year at the trade deadline as there are in other seasons. And uh, man, Calgary got a an absolute haul for Elias Lindholm. They may have saved the Rangers from themselves there. But uh, regardless, that's a topic for probably our next episode, again, unless there's some crazy breaking news here. But I want to keep talking about Capo Caco here and look at the other side of this argument, the case for trading Capo Caco. I think the first one that popped into my head when I was, you know, kind of laying out the episode, making a couple bullet points here, is that the Rangers right now see themselves as a win-now team. They believe the championship window is open, and if that's the case, and they may also feel like they just don't have time for Capo Caco to kind of round into form, to figure it out, to get back to what was a solid but not spectacular season last year, even to just get back to that form. Uh, it'd be nice if he could do that, but the Rangers may not feel like they have time uh, to let that happen. We've seen him get a couple different tries with Mika and Kreider. And yes, those two haven't played great 5v5 either. But Kako hasn't taken the bull by the horns when he's been on the Ranger top line. Um, and the thing is, man, that the Rangers might feel like they need a significant up upgrade as far as the top line right wing is concerned. I just got done talking about the top line or really the right wings in general. And as far as there being like an awesome option for the top line right now, it's just not there. I mean, Wheeler, I mean, he does okay there from time to time. And, you know, Kako showed some flashes with uh, Mika and Kreider in the past. Not really so much this season. But part of the reason that you would be moving Kako is to, again, upgrade probably the right wing spot. I can't imagine the Rangers would trade Capo Kako. I mean, you could trade him for like a center, I guess. But are you going to trade him? And then, uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, leave yourself even thinner at the right wing position, a position where you are already thin. I, I just don't know that they would want to do that. Uh, another reason as far as uh, the case for trading Capo Caco, again, we thought that last year was a mini breakout for Capo Caco, and he's clearly regressed this season. I mean, I, I don't know that there's really any other way to say it. I'm talking about offensively because defensively, he still grades out very well. Last year, he still grayed out very well. But if you look at offense points, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I know he's got a goal in his last two games here, so maybe getting it going a little bit. They were both kind of garbage time goals. I suppose they count. But yeah, last year, I mean, he ends up with 18 goals, 22 assists, both career highs. He did that while finishing the season at the age of 22. I mean, that's not a terrible season for a 22-year-old by any stretch. 40 points in 82 games. Uh, he stayed healthy all last season, which at other times in his career, including this year, has been something of a concern. Had a career best plus 12 last year. 
And he did all this, keep in mind, while mostly playing a bottom six role. There were times where he would jump up the lineup. He'd play with Mika and Kreider. Um, you know, the, the kid line every once in a while was kind of listed as the second line. Make of that what you will. But for the most part, Capo Caca was a third liner last year. And, um, you know, got racked up some points and did it all also while getting very little time on the power play. So it was, you know, a step in the right direction last season for Kako. The problem is that he's, you know, regressed since then. Um, the other big reason for me is that, you know, we can talk about like point totals and, and just obsess over stats all we want. And even like some of the advanced stats and everything. But when you use the eye test and I, I want even like the biggest Capo Kako supporter to, to be honest with me and be honest with themselves right now. How often do you really see the wow factor from Capo Caco? How often do you really see him do something with the puck that kind of just takes your breath away? Or you look at him and say, okay, there we go. That's the player we drafted. That's the guy that's going to uh, take over this league in a year or two. I just don't see plays like that from Capo Caco. And again, it, it's one thing to be underwhelmed by the total number of goals, the total number of assists. But when's the last time he did something with the puck that really left everybody's jaws on the ground? It's very few and very far between. And as I mentioned, yeah, Kako has scored in each of the last couple of go- uh, last couple of games here, but I just don't think it's anything to really write home about. I mean, they're they're kind of just basic goals. One against Vegas was on the rebound. It, it kind of just went right to him. So I don't know. I mean, to me, a number two overall pick, you know, and I, I hate doing this, but you look at Jack Hughes over there. Every time he plays the Rangers, he does something that, that kind of leaves you in awe. And, you know, Jack Hughes is like one of the guys on the Devils that when the Rangers are playing them, it's like, okay, we got to figure out a way to stop this guy. You know, they're not going to win the game if they allow Jack Hughes to take over the game. When does Capo Caco take over a game? Like, it, it doesn't happen. I, I'm sorry. There, there's no other way to say it. That's just kind of uh, the way things stand. Now, could he eventually become that player? As we mentioned earlier in the episode, yeah, it's at least possible. But those flashes of him being like a truly great player, I just there there aren't enough of them. There just aren't enough of them. That That's the best way that I can put it. Uh, another reason case for trading Capo Caco, I would say probably the injury history. You know, this year he's played in 28 out of a possible 49 games. Last year, again, credit where it's due, he play, played in all 82 games as well as uh, all seven playoff games. Year before that, 43 games out of 82. The year before that, 48 games out of a possible 56. The year before that, 66 games out of a possible 70. And of course, those last two seasons there were affected by the pandemic and, you know, the regular season being a little bit shorter. So obviously they didn't play the full 82 in either of those. It's not an insane amount of missed games, but most players over the last five years have played in more games than Capo Caco has. And, you know, hey, he's 20, 22, about to be 23. If he's having all these injury problems now, I don't know that that's all that likely to get better when he's getting older. You know, and it, he's just too young to be suffering all these injuries. I mean, there's some that there's not anything he can do. The way he hit the boards earlier this season uh, with his leg bent back behind him, he just hit it awkwardly. I mean, that can happen to anybody on any shift. So I don't blame Kako for that, but it does seem like he's a little bit snake bitten when it comes to injuries. And like I just said, I don't know that that's something that's going to uh, get better as he gets older. And one last reason as far as uh, the case for trading Capo Kako, and then we'll move on and I'll kind of have a verdict at the end of all this. Uh, Contrary to what some people might claim, I do think Capo Caco has gotten not an extreme amount of opportunities, but not a small amount either. I think, you know, Capo Caco has gotten a decent amount of opportunities since he's been here with the Rangers. There's times where he's played with Panarin. It hasn't been very long lived, but he's he's been there with Panarin. 
Uh, there's times where he's been out there with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. And yes, I know people are going to go after Mika and Kreider right now. I can already feel it coming in the comments section. Neither one of them having their best season as Rangers, especially from a 5v5 perspective. But nevertheless, Capo Caco has gotten chances with them, who I think, you know, coming into the season, the last handful of seasons, however far you want to go back, most people would probably agree that they are, in one order or another, the second and third best forwards on the Rangers. And Capo Caco has gotten some run with them. Uh, he's also gotten some chances with the kid line. The three of them seem to click from time to time. There hasn't really been a situation, you know, maybe when Quinn was here, there were a couple times where Kaka was knocked down to the fourth line, and I never agreed with that. But other than that, I mean, when has he really been, like, buried in the depth chart? And I know there was a game not too long ago where, you know, Laviolette had him out there for about eight minutes. But, you know, for the most part, he's gotten chances. Laviolette put him out there with Mika and Kreider to start the season. It didn't work. They went to Wheeler for a while. They went to Brodzinski. Kako comes back. They put Kako back out there. Maybe a little bit of a quick hook as far as removing him from that top line, but he still got another chance and didn't really do a whole lot with it. Bottom line, has Kako, whatever line they've had him on, whatever role they've had him in, has he ever really, really taken the bull by the horns? Like, if he played at such an insanely high level that I think a lot of us were expecting when the Rangers drafted him, then these coaches, whether it's Quinn or Gallant or now, uh, you know, Laviolette, I almost said Tortorella there for a second. I don't know where, where that came from. But regardless, three different coaches. Uh, he's had opportunities. And if he really took the bull by the horns and really just hit the ground running on the second line or the top line or whatever it might be, these coaches would have no choice but to leave him there. He would force the issue and basically just play at a level where it's like, you can't move me, man. I'm staying here. There, there's nothing you can do about it. I'm your guy here. And he just hasn't ever really done that. And I know he's still young. I get it. But this is year five now. It's three different coaches. And with three different coaches who, as we discussed in a recent episode, very unique, very different from each other. None of these three coaches saw fit uh, to leave him in a top six role for any long amount of time. Honestly, I, I think LaViolette probably gave him more leash this year than probably either the previous two coaches ever did, and he still wasn't able to do it. And you know the way things are going, if Kako doesn't get traded, we probably will see him in a top six role at some point later in the season. He'll probably get another crack with Mika and Kreider at some point, or maybe they break up the Panarin line at a certain point, and that allows him to go back into the top six in one way or another. Um, hard to say for sure, but uh, again, I just he's had some opportunities, some, decent amount. Uh, the amount of opportunities that I think, if he was as advertised, he would have taken advantage of one of these opportunities uh, by now. So, yeah, that's kind of, uh, there we go. There's there's your case for trading Kako. But in just a second, I'm going to have a verdict on this whole thing, some final thoughts, just kind of, Share where I'm at with this, and I invite all of you to do the same thing in the YouTube comment section or even send me an email. Uh, do whatever you got to do to get in touch. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, first of all, we just need to uh, take a quick break uh, right here. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, keep everything rolling here. I want to have my verdict on Capo Caco and the idea of trading him. I will say I don't dislike this idea as much as I would almost like to dislike this idea, if that makes any sense. You know, you see the uh, the rumor popping up on social media, and it's coming from, you know, pretty reputable uh, NHL journalists. And again, the, the general consensus seems to be that the Rangers are not actively shopping him. They're not calling every team in the league and please give us something for Kako. It's nothing like that, but they are fielding calls. And it is a little surprising uh, when you first do see this, when you log on to social media and see all these rumors uh, as recently as two years ago, or even certainly last year, I would have been strongly opposed to this idea. Um, you know, Kako looked last year like he was starting to figure it out a little bit. He had an 11-game stretch last year where he had two goals and nine assists. And I remember I tweeted something out like, oh, man, Capo Kako, 
finally becoming the player that the Rangers uh, thought they were drafting. And then he kind of cooled off after that. And obviously this season uh, hasn't gone well for him at all. Um, this, this can't be something trading Kako. This can't be something that the Rangers do just to do it. To me, it comes down to what the return is. Now you can't just, I mentioned this earlier, but you can't just bring in Kako for a mid-level rental, somebody that's going to center the third line and produce it like a half point per game, kind of a clip and then be on their way in free agency. I also wouldn't even consider trading Capo Caco for a draft pick because, as we mentioned a minute ago, the Rangers are in win-now mode. So, yeah, Caco is underwhelmed a little bit. But if you just subtract a guy who, you know, again, coming into the season was going to be your top-line right winger, if you just remove him from the roster in exchange for, like, a second-round pick or even a first-round pick in the future, that doesn't do anything to help you win the Stanley Cup uh, right here and right now. The only exception I would make to this rule that I kind of just laid out here is if the Rangers were working on something bigger, if the Rangers wanted to trade a first-round draft pick to go out and get somebody that maybe we're not thinking of, doesn't really seem to be on the trade block right now, but maybe one of those guys that's kind of a star player, falling out of place a little bit um, in his own team or just needs to change his scenery, whatever the case might be. I don't even know who that would be. I mean, people are throwing out Trevor Zegras as an idea. It's at least possible. And we'll talk about Zegras in greater detail in a future episode, maybe even our next episode. Again, I don't think he's like really on the trade block, but I, I feel like it wouldn't be impossible for the Rangers or anybody else to get a deal done. Like I said, different conversation for a different day. But the only way that I would give up Kako for a draft pick or even consider doing that is if the Rangers land a high draft pick and then flip that pick somewhere else to bring in a big time bonafide NHL player. You know, maybe not quite a superstar, but just in that tier right below uh, superstar, superstardom because they are in win now mode. And if you could bring in a player like that, and you have that player instead of Capo Caco, that does increase your chances, presumably, of winning the Stanley Cup this season, which you got to believe everything you know we're seeing. That is the Rangers' ultimate goal, and it does seem like they are all in this season. But to kind of just build on what I just said here, as far as there being like a superstar player that the Rangers should flip Capo Caco for in a trade, I don't think that player really exists right now. You know, you look at all these different uh, top trade candidates for the NHL deadline this season. And, you know, you open up all these different websites and all the rankings are going to be a little bit different. And some of them rank them in terms of best player, you know, best player to worst player that could be available. Some of them rank them in terms of most likely to be traded, but all these lists come out about the same. You see about the same names on most of them. And, you know, I'm looking at one right now. This one just happens to be from the hockeywriters.com. Who on this list, I'm going to go through a couple of names here. Who on this list would you trade away Capo Caco for straight up? I don't think that player exists. Number one on the list here, and I, they must not have updated this from yesterday because obviously uh, Elias Lindholm got traded, but he's number one. I don't even think I would have done it for Elias Lindholm. You know, Lindholm's a very good two-way center. He's had a top 10 Selkie finish in, in like three or four seasons he obviously can give you some scoring as well. He's since been traded to the Vancouver Canucks less than 24 hours ago, uh, to be exact. He was traded in part for Andre Kuzmenko, who now uh, is off the block as well because he heads to Calgary. And, and this list has Kuzmenko listed number six. Um, you look at some of the other positions. I mean, Chris Tanev from Calgary. I don't think the Rangers need a defenseman that bad that they should be giving up, you know, again, the number two overall pick on in the draft from just a handful of years ago. Uh, Sean Monaghan is on this list. That's probably a moot point anyway, because as we've discussed, uh, Jeff Gordon probably doesn't want to do business with the Rangers. And even if he did, the Canadians are trying to get a first round pick from Monaghan. Could they do it? It's possible. I don't know that the Rangers would pay a price like that. Uh, other people on this list, I mean, Sean Walker, 
I don't even really get his inclusion because Philly is a playoff team as of now. So I'm not really sure why they would be looking to trade him. Um, Tarasenko, our old friend, he's on this list, right winger. I mean, you could do that. But again, you know, Tarasenko, it's the same situation as last year. If you bring him in, it's probably only for half a season. And yeah, Tarasenko, you know, he's a really good player. He's not, I, I wouldn't say the superstar that he was a couple of years ago. So, I mean, it's something that, you know, could make some sense if you just feel like you need a jolt, you need more from your top line right wing spot. But Vladimir Tarasenko after the season, just like last year, very likely going to be on his way in free agency. I mean, Adam and Henrique is on this list. I like Henrique as a trade chip for the Rangers, but I'm not giving up Capo Caco. I'm certainly not giving up a first round draft pick. I mean, you've got a handful of defensemen here. Noah Hannafin, Jacob Chikrin. You know, there's uh, Anthony Duclair who can play either wing. I like Duclair a lot. He's somebody we'll talk about in the future, but I'm not giving up Capo Caco once again for half a year of uh, of Anthony Duclair. I mean, other than that, you know, Anthony Mantha, Pat Maroon, um, Mike Hoffman. I mean, you're just not going to give up Caco for one of these guys in, who in most cases would be here uh, for only half of a season. So that's the biggest reason for me why I'm against this is because I just don't see that game changer, that superstar player, where it's really worth it. I'd rather pay a little bit less for maybe some of the guys that are at the very, very top of this list as far as trade chips are concerned. Um, I'm not going to force a trade of Capo Caco, again, just, just to get a half season of this guy or of that guy. And, you know, I mean, we, we could pretty much call it there. You know, that this is um, this is just one person's opinion here, but I, I will say that putting this list together, it was a little bit easier for me to come up with reasons why the Rangers should not trade Capo Caco rather than reasons that they should trade Capo Caco. And that's just kind of where things stand. And um, again, I just don't like the idea of selling low on Caco, of giving up on him this early, when that player, that big time uh, piece that you could bring in and, and you think like, oh man, that, that's the missing piece for a championship. Again, I don't think that player exists at this year's trade deadline. So I don't think I would do it. Will the Rangers do it? Hard to say for sure. You never know with Chris Drury. I don't think he's somebody that's going to force the issue here, though. I think it would have to be a significant return. Now, could they go out and get somebody? Like, could you get two players for Capo Caco? Could you make a deal with the Ducks where you bring in a Frank Vetrano and an Adam Henrique? If you could do that, it's something to think about because obviously you've given yourself a little bit more depth. And you know, we know that Frank Vetrano, he would be more than just a rental. You know, he'd be here for next year as well. So a deal like that could make some sense. But I don't see the Rangers ultimately pulling the trigger here. Uh, one other reason why the Rangers might be at least considering it is that Kako is an RFA after this season. And it's possible that they don't want to pay whatever they think that Capo Kako is going to end up getting. So a trade of Capo Kako in the off season could be something that happens. And if you're going to do that, maybe just do it now, get it out of the way and get some help while this season is still ongoing. But yeah, in the off season, you know, Kako, he's an RFA. Uh, so too are Ryan Lindgren and Braden Schneider. And you've got to figure that, you know, at least one of those players could end up getting traded. Uh, all of them are going to be in line for a raise. And Capo Caco right now at $2.1 million, it's not an enormous amount of money, but you got to figure that price is going to go up at least a little bit. And one thing that makes this so hard to kind of, uh, you know, um, forecast, I, I guess would be a good word, is that it's impossible to know what the salary cap is going to be next season. There's rumors it's going to be going up more next year than it has in recent seasons. But I got to say, I it's kind of an aside here. I do feel for these general managers around the league because they're trying to make all these deals and you know improve their team's chances of winning it all this year. In some cases, there's teams that are uh, sellers and they're looking to build for the future. But it's got to be tough not knowing exactly 
how much salary cap space you're going to have next season. You know, it, it, when you're trying to set your team up for success in the short term and the long term as well, and all these wheelings and dealings, and you guys know how every dollar counts when it comes to the NHL's very tight salary cap. So, yeah, it can't be an easy thing to do to try to maneuver when you don't even know what the salary cap ceiling uh, is going to be. But that's kind of where things stand. I'm against Capo Caco being traded, but not as much as I would have been last year. It all depends on what the return is. But if it's, again, if it's just for like a rental, if it's just for a guy that's going to be here, third line center, I'm not feeling that at all. I, I just don't think that really makes any sense. I think you keep your fingers crossed and you hope that Capo Caco figures it out. Obviously, as we established in an earlier episode, the Rangers don't need to figure this all out now. They can wait another couple of weeks. You know, the, the deadline's about five weeks away right now. So handful of games left. You know, maybe Capo Caco plays well coming out of this break. Maybe he figures it out. Uh, if he continues to scuffle, though, I mean, on one hand, his trade value would go down if that happens. But on the other hand, at least you kind of feel a little bit better about trading him if you're jury at that point. I mean, I I, I don't know. But it, it's it's one of those things where I would proceed with caution if I'm Chris Drury and I'm the New York Rangers. Because I just don't see how it's worth trading him just for, you know, somebody who's only going to be here, uh, like I said, for half a season. But that's kind of where things stand with Capo Caco. Obviously, this is a situation that we will monitor going forward. Like I said, in tomorrow's episode, I think we're going to go ahead and take a look at some of the uh, other trade targets the Rangers could go after that are currently on the block. Um, you know, you guys feel free feel free to leave some names in the comments section. We've been getting a lot of that anyway, where everybody wants to trade for this guy or trade for that guy. So you guys let me know. You know, I'll talk about whoever you want to talk about, and um, we'll have some fun with that going forward. Always fun doing, you know, those... those uh, trade rumor, trade deadline-centric episodes. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.